This podcast was made with Descript. Descript is a groundbreaking new media tool that allows creators to edit audio and video like a text document and create a realistic clone of their own voice for seamless edits. Please check out our Patreon at Asian Hustle Network. We want Asians to continue being meaningful and give back to the Asian community. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to contribute to our feature, we hope you become a patron. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Richie Lee, originally born in the small town of Fort Smith, Arkansas, to Vietnamese immigrant parents. Richie Lee has gone against the odds and built a successful career in the industries of digital media and fashion. As a content creator, he has garnered over 1.1 million subscribers on YouTube with over 220 million total views within the streetwear and sneaker niche. Beyond social media, he is co-owner and founder of fashion brand Richie Lee Collection, operating under the multi-million dollar parent company, The Leverage. Despite the tremendous growth and the many big things yet to come, he always makes sure to stay true to his original mission to inspire, entertain, and help his audience in any way he can. Welcome to the show, Richie. Man, thanks for having me. Uh, Appreciate you guys. Um, And shout out to you guys for really like, you know, pushing the envelope right now for a lot of Asian Americans and allowing them to tell their story and everything. So, yeah, I know it's not easy for you guys. And um, yeah, so shout out to you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're super excited to have you on. So let's hear more more about you. Like, where'd you grow up? What was your upbringing like? Yeah, so for myself, um, I was born in uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas. My parents were um, sponsored there after the Vietnam War. Um, I only lived there for like a couple years and then we ended up following our pastor up to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up in Seattle with uh, David and Andrew, Kent Washington. And I would say for myself, it was just a pretty normal upbringing, a lot of influence from my uh, older brothers and my siblings. Mm-hmm. They were really, really big into inter- entertainment. Mm-hmm. So my brothers, they would do like, um, they would like throw car shows. They would, uh, own nightclubs. They were just, just really in the scene and everything. And I would say I cannot include, I can't really bring up my success or everything I'm into without really mentioning them. Um, and yeah, so yeah, I was huge into sports. I was always that kid, always like f- trying to find like the Asian, Asian guy on a basketball team or like, mm-hmm. Oh, he's mixed with Asian. Let me root for him and everything. So yeah, that was really big for me. Um, yeah, I just have a ton of influences. Like when I think about it right now, I'm like, dang, so many people come to mind. But yeah, a huge one are my brothers. That's awesome. Awesome. And what were your what was your relationship like with your parents? Like, did they have like a kind of like strict set of roles for you? Like, did they have this idea of like what you were going to be when you grew up or were they kind of laid back? Yeah. So for myself, I'm actually the youngest of six. So mm-hmm. my siblings went through it all. Like I have my, you know, my brothers, like, you know, some of troublemakers, you know, so for myself, it was really like my siblings almost raised me. So I think that's why I have like the cultural aspect from my parents, but more so like that, that American um, upbringing for my siblings. Cause they were the ones that taught me about like basketball and enrolled me in sports and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as any expectations, they, they were done raised like kids, you know, they were <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I really had, 
I was really blessed with the opportunity to really follow. I would say whatever I wanted to, um, at a young age, like every, everybody was really cool with like supporting me. If I wanted to try to rap or like do talent shows when, when I know this is not always the case in a lot of, you know, Amer- uh, Asian American households. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was really lucky in that, in that aspect. That's awesome. I'm kind of curious too, like, how'd you find your way to, to fashion, you know? And yeah. So fashion's like, I just, my brothers used to like really put me on a clothing. I remember even them having like their girlfriends come pick me up and like go shopping at Nordstrom. I don't like, you know, <laughs> um, so it's always been something I always really cared about. One, one person I would say that really, um, influenced me when I was super young was, uh, Jonas of LRG. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, it was really hard to find like Asian representation when I was young, um, in fields that I really like basketball, music, fashion. And so when I saw him, he's Vietnamese. Um, he was adopted. He had a story. He's out of, uh, the OC. He founded one of like, at the time, the biggest brands, I'm sure you guys know yeah. of LRG. Yep. Mm-hmm. And to see someone that was co-signed by the likes of Diddy, Kanye, like Jay-Z, that meant everything to me. I always big up Jonas, um, in everything I do. Um, so yeah, I would say he was a huge influence when it came to fashion, obviously like being in a basketball sports and like clothing, I say are pretty synonymous, you know, they're pretty parallel with each other. Um, David and Andrew, I would say David had a big influence on like sneakers. Mm-hmm. He always put me onto this forum called Nike talk when I was super young and, uh, we would browse it, learn about sneakers. He would tell me like the ins and outs of like the sneaker industry. So I, I owe a lot to David as far as like sneakers go. I used to go to his house, open up a closet and literally just look at his sneakers that were really, <laughs> really hard to find. Um, specifically the, uh, 2000 Jordan 11 Concords. Mm-hmm. I would, uh, yeah, I would just go over there and just sit there and looking at him like, damn, these are crazy. And, um, he's actually the one that found me one of my first pair of Jordans Wow. Wow. online. I, I remember like 135 bucks. They were like kid sizes. He's like, I could get it. Like back then it was really hard to get sneakers in store. You had to like order them and send a money order out. And so, yeah, he helped me out with that, but yeah. Is that also the inspiration behind the, behind the number 23 and all your usernames? Yeah, exactly. 23 Michael <laughs> Jordan, you know, yeah. like basketball and everything. So yeah, for sure. Also, also see the Michael Jordan behind you too. Yeah, yeah. Right here. There we go. That's awesome. Well, yeah, that's amazing. And rest in peace to Jonas as well. We hear a lot about him and mm-hmm. he's been such an inspiration to a lot of people in streetwear. Can you talk about your, you know, growing up in Kent and how that shaped your Asian identity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say definitely growing up in Kent, there's not a lot of Asians. You in the Asians that you do like, you know, go to school with you, everybody kind of gravitates toward, towards each other. And I, and that's something that I've noticed with a lot of stories that you guys have um, heard with your interviews and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of reminds me of like, when you're in a school, there's one, you know, one Asian, and then there's another Asian girl. And then like, you guys totally like, I don't know, there's like a connection already there. You guys know how each other are feeling and you guys are kind of on the same team, like automatically, you know what I mean? So yeah. Um, yeah, I would say it wasn't, uh, we, my school was different than Andrew and David's definitely um, theirs was like way more like out on the outskirts where the farms are and everything, but we, we had a good mix. So I had a way more like Asian friends at, at our high school and everything. 
Um, so yeah, it was enough to feel like, you know, you want to rep and you want to be yourself, but it wasn't, you don't feel like such an outsider where you're like, you feel secluded from everybody. I felt very involved in everything still. So I know, uh, I know Andrew always talks about his experience going to Kentwood versus Kent Ridge. And he's like, damn, I sometimes wish I would have went to Kent Ridge to get that experience where there's more Asians. Um, cause yeah, we didn't really see it as like a, such a, a divide, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like everybody was pretty cool with each other. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I kind of want to dive deeper into your YouTube career. You know, like we heard a lot about your, how you started on YouTube. It was very grassroots. So you started, yeah. you started slow, but you accelerated super quickly over the recent years. You want to hear about that journey? All right. So, um, yeah, I had graduated from, um, UW. I was working for a water company, uh, a local water company called Talking Rain. I was doing marketing. Mm-hmm. And when I say marketing, literally like setting up a, uh, a table at events and handing out water. It wasn't nothing fancy. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was real like ground level. And um, David and Andrew had already moved down to LA at the time. And they were doing it for like, I want to say a year and a half. I want, I, th- I think a year and a half. They had gained some traction and everything. And I saw what they were doing. It had like really, they had really cool music videos and going on and everything. And I was like, man, that looks really fun. And we had always kind of like performed together growing up. So it wasn't like randomly, I wanted to do music or anything like that. And um, so they were doing their thing. And I remember like, oh man, can I, um, I, I remember like DMing Andrew and I was like, man, that looks really dope. And he's like, come check it out. We got a, a big music video coming up, which was, uh, oh, um, Boba Life 2. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, we have a huge budget for it. You know, it's going to be really fun. Just come down for a weekend. And I was like, oh, okay. So I remember just flying down. This is like, like I said, I had just graduated. I'm working at this job and uh, I flew down and I was like literally in awe of like this ecosystem that they were in, like this whole, like you had like Asian film producers, you had like, uh, you know, like a whole real set. I did stuff that I used to dream about. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though they're talking about like Boba and you know, it's a real gimmicky, you know, they always say it themselves, corny topic. It's still a real production. There's still some, you know, some coolness to it. Mm-hmm. And I was just really in awe. And I was like, we were talking one night. I was only there for two days. And we were talking one night, literally throughout the night about what it could potentially look like if I moved down there. Um, and yeah, they really just kind of sold me. They're like, Hey man, this, this is not going to be easy. I remember clearly David said, uh, Oh, I could give you the tools, but I can't build this house for you. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to like, if you move here, man, I'm going to just, you know, tell you what to do but all the work has to come from yourself. And I remember really that really stuck with me. And um, I had flown back and obviously I was like super excited about the music video and just what they had built. I talked to them and I think I literally moved down to LA maybe like three weeks later. Wow. I quit my job, you know, told the family I'm, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, how to go away party. I sold my car. Um, and I, I, I went down there, I think with like $14,000 uh-huh. and, um, yeah, just stayed on an air mattress trying to save my money. Um, and just started the, the whole career, which is kind of different than a lot of people that you've guys interviewed. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, I think a lot of people, when they started YouTube, they started off with like a, 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 a video just 
you know, maybe going viral, not on purpose. They were doing it for fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I kind of went into it like differently where like, I have money behind me. I need to make this money. I'm like chasing a dream. I need to Mm -hmm. be more strategic about it. So I think my approach was a lot different than a lot of other YouTubers actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I really like that approach too, because that's how we feel about Asian Hustle Network. You know, we kind of just jobs and we're just trying to make things work now. Exactly. The thing I like about that is you would do things you would never do because you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It puts a little bit more pressure on it when you, you rely on it for your income and everything. And I noticed like helping a lot of YouTubers out and what they're doing. Some people are built for it and some people aren't right. So yeah. you have the ones that are pursuing their passion and then you have ones that are pursuing it, per- pursuing their passion with knowing that they got to make something out of it. And a lot of people just can't handle that. And I'm not going to lie. It changes your whole approach to doing art, especially a lot of people are like, nah, I'm not trying to do a song about fud. You know, that's corny, yeah. but I'm like, Hey, are you trying to live off this? Or are you just trying to chase a passion? You know what I mean? So yeah, right, right. Um, it's not for everybody, but it, um, at the end of the day, glad it worked out. Yeah. Well, what was it like for you throughout your journey at any point where you're like, man, like, I don't know if this is going to work out. I just want to quit. And how'd you overcome that? Yeah. So I'm very curious, you know, like David and Andrew put you on to LA, you move like in the quickness and what was that transition like? Like, were you scared at all? And like, you said you only had like $14,000. How long did that last you? Yeah. So I was telling, um, my guy Gabe right here, uh, who does production and everything. I was telling him, I was so scared on the plane. Have you ever literally like been so scared you can't even close your eyes so i remember i was trying to doze off on the plane one way ticket down and just thinking about what i'm doing right now moving down and like chasing such a crazy dream mm-hmm. i was so scared that i like did a uh when you know like when you wake up from a dream you're like whoa yeah that's what happened on the plane i was like oh my god this is crazy and you know like obviously my mom didn't approve of this and uh-huh. i was like whoa that's how scared i was going down to la um and as far as your, to go back to your question, did I ever feel like I wasn't going to make it? I mean, there was a lot of moments. David and Andrew will tell you, we got in, you know, as friends got in a lot of, a lot of crazy arguments and, mm-hmm. um, you know, our friendship was at the, on the line. Cause there's so much at stake, right? There's money involved. There's, you know, your living space involved. They're trying to trace a crazy dream as well. They didn't have, they hadn't like fully made it. Um, so we're, yeah, it was just a crazy time to think about, but we all stuck it out. And I think one thing that really, uh, I would really chalk up our success to is really not like accepting each other's bullshit. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like we really called each other out wh- where we could like improve. Right. Yo, you're not waking up on time. Yo, you're kind of lazy here. Yo, you're never showing up to the meetings on time. Like really, really calling each other out on that more. So David calling us out. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it just really worked out. Well, yeah. I, I like the accountability group and it goes a long way too. you know, lucky Maggie and I are dating, but we're pretty mean to each other when it comes to work. They're like, Hey, you're not waking up <laughs> early enough. You're not doing this early enough, but you need, you need people like that, you know, yeah, and you need to be super real about it. Especially if like, like I said, things are at stake and you know, some people don't really like that approach. Some people do. Um, yeah. yeah. What's really good is that you had people to turn to like David and Andrew when you moved to LA, 
but at the same time, they didn't, they told you like, I would give you the tools, but not show you how to build the house. And so that kind of challenged you too. And you, you kind of like depend on yourself to really show you the ropes. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how you did it, bro. Because if it was me. I probably wouldn't be sleeping for the next six months. <laughs> I'm like, oh crap. What are you going to get? What I get myself into? <laughs> no, it was a huge learning curve. I look at that moment in my life as like, I just learned so much. I like learned how to build this like work ethic. And mm -hmm. I saw from them, like what it means to like really stay up long, long nights. Mm -hmm. Um, they taught me a ton. Like I, I, when I, when I think of YouTube, I really owe them a lot as far as building the foundation of like what I just know how to do now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when you moved to LA and you were starting to do YouTube, did you take on any other part-time jobs as well? And when did you make that jump if you did? Yeah. So, um, there was a moment where I had ran out of money. I was apply, so I didn't even have a car. So David had a car and I was borrowing it from him. It was a, uh, like a 97 white civic. Um, and I was borrowing it from him. And one time when we moved to a different apartment, it got stolen out of like <laughs> a, a parking lot. Wow. And I, I remember that I was like, what the, I feel so like helpless at this moment. It got stolen from a, a parking lot. And I was like, David, are you going to buy another car? You know, what's, what's the transportation going to be like? He's like, nah, like we don't have it like that right now. So you're just going to have to like, I was like fuck. And I don't even have money. Um, <laughs> and I wasn't making money off YouTube for sure. Wasn't making money off YouTube mm -hmm. at this point. Mm -hmm. I applied literally to Arby's, <laughs> shout out to Arby's, <laughs> GameStop, Verizon, local, like walking distance from our apartment. Uh-huh. What else? I think it was those three and a, a sneaker store. Wait, quick question. Did those brands sponsor any of your videos in the future? <laughs> <laughs> Ryzen, new. Arby's, new. GameStop, no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, no, I'm not messing with those brands. No, actually, no, don't say that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I applied to them and then um, none of them got back to me. I remember like, even going up to Seattle and visiting my family, I was like, Hey, maybe could I borrow like $3,000 to buy a car? And you know, some of them were like considering it, but they were like, you can't even get down to LA with a $3,000 car. Mm -hmm. Like that's not like, it's not going to last. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like, what, the, what, what do I do right now? Cause I need a job. Cause if you, mm -hmm. obviously if you have a car, it opens up the market to so many jobs. Wait, how old are you at, at this time? 23 or 24? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, and then uh, my mom had said, hey, we have a family friend. He's pretty high up at Toyota. Let me call him. His mm -hmm. name is Lynn. He worked at Toyota of Downey. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll just be 100% frank. My credit was so effed up. You wouldn't, like, they couldn't even let me borrow a cent. Like, it was crazy, right? Uh -huh. I was like, and she's like, maybe you could lease a car. I was like, nah, they check your credit. I, you know, I just maxed out all my stuff, like, to try to survive down in LA. So my credit's so crazy right now. We called him. He's like, my gosh, what have you, like, what are you doing right now? You're so in debt. And I was like, yeah, I know, Lynn, you know, but he's like, man, I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna give you the fam, like, you know, like if you're, you work for Toyota, you get like a family um, car or whatever. He's like, yeah. we already have our cars. I'm gonna give you mine. It's going to be under my name and you're going to just co-sign it or whatever. Yeah. 
So he ended up giving me a, uh, a, a cam release. And I was like, wow, this is like, this changes everything. It was brand new too. So it was fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I applied to just a ton of jobs at the mall. And then I ended up getting a, uh, a interview at Nordstrom, um, in the suits department. I have no idea. I don't, I was applying <laughs> to so many jobs that I didn't even know I applied to suits. Yeah. But they called me and they're like, Hey, you, you have an interview for the suits department. I was like, Oh shit. I don't know nothing about suits. <laughs> but now you do. <laughs> I, so I remember, um, I, uh, interviewed for Santa Anita suits department, Nordstrom. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, Hey, I can really tell you don't know much about suits. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, to be honest, I was just applying to so many jobs uh-huh. and she goes here, listen, I like you though. I'm going to refer department and maybe they'll take you on. I'm not sure. I'm not even sure if they have a position. I was like, cool. Um, so fast forward, I ended up getting just a summer position at Nordstrom. And then, uh, man, I had worked the whole summer at Nordstrom, probably saved up like, I want to say like 4,000, four to $5,000. And I was not productive on YouTube though. It was like long days, really long seasonal sale hours. And, uh, I just couldn't do both. And so at the end of the summer, they were like, Hey, we would love to bring you back on for a full-time position. And I had to make that like, basically, you know, I was at a crossroads and, um, yeah, even with the help of my uh, girlfriend, Kim at the time, she was like really supportive and she was like still in, Oh no, she was working. She was like, Hey, I could try to help you out, but I really don't think you should go back to Nordstrom. Like that's how hard pursuing YouTube is. Like you can't, you ju- you're just, mind has to be so focused on it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was like, all right, no more Nordstrom. I'm going to just pursue this uh, YouTube thing and give it my, my all. And I'm kind of, kind of try to do it my way and like really make some adjustments. Um, and it, it, it started working out. I really like kind of like, I would say switched the content up and really ramped up the volume and just went really in, I would say Nordstrom really gave me like a perspective, like mm-hmm. it could be this, this job, or it could be that pursuing that. So like, yeah, it was, it was a big eye, eye opener for me. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's really relatable because I think we're the same age. I think we're both 31. Mm-hmm. Just a point of reference, the economy at age 23, 24 for us sucked. Mm, yeah. I uh, just want to put that into a point of reference too, because if for you're sure. 23, 24, like a couple of years ago, yeah, that was a perfect time. Economy was strong, plenty of jobs. But yeah. even if you were an engineer at that time, it was so hard to find anything, dude. It was terrible. Exactly. I mean, we were out of college <laughs> during the like whole recession thing. Yeah. And, cool. and like, yeah, it was just, it was, it was a tough time. Yeah. I yeah. just want to highlight that point because our 23, 24, it's not like other people's 23, 24. <laughs> That's a good point. Good, good yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you were starting out YouTube, when you were, when, after you quit your job in Nordstrom and you were like, you know what, I'm going to double down YouTube and just focus on YouTube. Did you know immediately, like, I, I'm going to focus my channel on clothing and sneakers or did, were you like, what, am, what should I focus on? Like, I don't know what to do it on, you know? So for myself, when I had moved down there, the approach was really going to be talking about like cultural Vietnamese stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. That's the date. That's the angle David really wanted me to take. He was like, this mm-hmm. is a huge market. It's completely open right now for myself. I'm really natural. I just speaking about sneakers and clothing. Cause I, I just, you know, read about them all day and everything. So the Vietnamese stuff was really kind of tough for me to delve like fully into and you could tell when you see my content it's not like fully natural um stuff 
So I had divided my channel up into like Vietnamese cultural content, music, sneakers, mm -hmm. clothing, and some food. Yeah. And at the time when I had uh, quit Nordstrom, I think the sneaker stuff was starting a bubble. Like I could see a little bit more engagement. You know, they were getting spread a little bit more and the Vietnamese stuff was cool, but it wasn't like hitting, hitting. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, man, even though David said, hey, you should take this route. I was like, I have to make a decision on my own at this point based off me studying my analytics and everything and just seeing the feedback. You really can feel the feedback of what people are giving you. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to go full on with the sneaker and clothing um, route and see how it just pans out. And so, yeah, I just went full on with that kind of like would dabble still in like food and like Vietnamese cultural content just for that, that audience that I already had to make them happy and everything. But mm -hmm. I would say the focus really, really shifted towards sneakers and clothing just because I saw that they were um, really gravitating towards that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's super important. I think a lot of people struggle to figure out what their niche is mm -hmm. and like what they want to focus their channel on or like their TikTok videos on. But the most important thing is to listen to the feedback you get from your audience, right? Yeah, like it's kind of cool. Like sometimes you don't get a pick what people yeah. want from you. Like mm -hmm. sometimes the people choose for you. And I would say in this case, I I, guess I, I clearly saw that they were like wanting that content from me. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And content creation is a lot more difficult than people think it is. You know, you always wake up one day and be like, oh crap, I need to post a video this week. I don't know what to post. <laughs> so how do you overcome that creative block? And how do you like brainstorm for different ideas? Um. I really just study like a lot of what people are doing. I have a lot of friends involved, like Johnny, Tan. We always like talk to each other about like what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of brainstorming. Uh, I'll, I'll, what I'll do is like really look at my channel and kind of like gauge what the temperature has been like. Oh, I hit them with a lot of vlogs a couple weeks ago. Now let's hit them with some like more on set stuff, or I, I've done too many group things. So let me hit them with something that's just solo now. Like mm -hmm. I, I really pride the channel on really like giving them that versatility. Right. Um, cause at the end of the day, I, for me personally, I never really liked the channels that you just see someone sitting in the room talking for 20 minutes every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to be a real channel. Like the definition of a channel, you know, on YouTube, on, on TV is like a dip, a bunch of different shows, a bunch of different looks, a bunch mm -hmm. of different people. So that's what I try to really um, go after. But yeah, I know everybody's different. Some people like just talking in front of a camera. I actually don't like that. Like I'm really unnatural in front of the camera, camera shy, don't have like the right vibe. So I, I really like giving them just so many different looks and like bouncing off of friends and everything. So yeah. Yeah, that's good to know. And just to go back to your previous story as well, you know, you're working Nordstrom, Mm -hmm. You're about to make a full jump into your, your YouTube career. At what point did things start to feel real? And you're like, wow, this is, this is starting to happen. Like, I can sustain myself now. What was that feeling like? And at what point was that? There was a lot of little moments. I would say like the, one of them is like you're obvious where someone wants to take a photo with you or, uh -huh. um, you know, being with your family in the middle of like nowhere on the beach. And then like some kids come up to you like that was definitely like oh shoot this is you know pretty real but photos don't equal money you know so <laughs> i'm still broke you can charge um, them. I'm just kidding. five bucks <laughs> <laughs> i charge them on the spot for sure. uh 
I mean, my, my realest moment, I had moved back to Seattle after two and a half years of being in LA. Mm-hmm. I still had thought I hadn't made it. I moved into my brother's basement. Like I was like, oh man, I'm still not making that much money. I moved into my brother's basement. And then uh, every single morning before his son, my nephew would go to school, he would literally come up because the basement doesn't have a door and you have to go to the garage. To go to the garage, you have to pass the basement he would always come up to me and start messing with me. Like, Uncle Richie, wake up. Like, it's <laughs> like six in the morning. And I was like, this is insane. I can't be in this. Like, you know, it's just a crazy environment to be in the basement right now. Um, and so I really reflected on the financials that I had. I was like, if I like really make it work, I could go get an apartment right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had got in the apartment and then things started kind of falling into place. If you guys know uh, Tim Sheba. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he had worked with the Fung Bros while I was in LA. He was working with them even when I had moved back to Seattle. And um, he was like, Hey, I'm looking for a different change of pace. Uh, would you potentially hire me if I moved to Seattle? And I was like, Oh, this is a perfect opportunity. Cause one, I need to ramp up the, uh, the volume on the channel and two, I just moved into the apartment. So obviously I need more income and more volume on your channel and everything means more income. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, we already built the chemistry of working together. He had filmed for me when I was in LA. So I was like, if you move to Seattle, we live in an, a studio right now. It wasn't even like a one bedroom. It was a studio. <laughs> I was like, you could move into the studio and we're just literally going to make this our entire life. YouTube is everything at this point. If you move here. You know what I mean? And he's like, yo, I'm all for it. So we were talking on the phone and doing a lot of like Skype meetings for like weeks to prep for him coming. Cause at that point I'm responsible for his, like his whole income and his whole structure of his life. Cause he's going to be moving into with me into a whole new city and everything. Um, yeah. So he, he really like changed a lot. I owe a lot to Tim. We really like a lot of long nights, a lot of like just, I'm saying YouTube was life. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that hustle. Yeah. You know, like a, a lot of people see you now. Like, oh, Richie's just overnight success. Like yeah. He just got lucky on, mm-hmm. on YouTube. But mm-hmm. we hear from other people that talk about you. We know about this journey, you know, but hearing from you, it's like, wow. Like, I don't even know if I can make it through something like that. I'll probably be like, ah, oh, I give up. <laughs> you know, but you're so greedy. It's not as bad as it sounds. It's not as bad as it sounds. <laughs> You know, it was fun. It was fun. And um, I think one thing that I want to say too is like, and I try to remind myself of like just the other day, I was looking at my phone and I saw this photo and it was a, uh, a note I had written to myself when I was in LA and it was, um, it was, uh, remember why you moved, enjoy the journey. Mm. So right now I try to like really reflect on like time, like, I'm big on like accomplishing goals and then just moving on to the next. But I think at some point you really got to like accomplish your goals and just reflect. Right. Right, right, I think it's just so natural of me to just move on and not really think about what's going on. And so like, it's dope to do this podcast right now because you're like, Oh man, that must've been so hard. Mm -hmm. But when you're going through it, you don't really think about it. You just, you're hitting your goal and you're moving on to the next one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's something that I'm trying to do better at. It's just like kind of reflecting and like, you know, maybe giving myself a pat on the back, like, all right, you reached this man. This is what happened. Really reflecting, I would say. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. And enjoying the ride. I love that. Yeah. We're reflecting right now during this podcast. So yeah. 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 Reflecting on all the things that you've accomplished. Yeah. yeah I forgot, like I kind of forgot this whole story. So it's cool to kind of like, <laughs> yeah. guys through it. it's good hearing about this too, because you don't do a lot of podcast interviews. So we never really get to hear the yeah. story until now. Yeah. So Brian and I were trying to like look up interviews of you, but we could barely find any that were interviewing you. We like white page you and everything too. You, we couldn't find anything. We found a lot where you were interviewing <laughs> other people. So mm-hmm. that's how we knew like you're, you seem super humble. Like you seem like the type of person who just uplifts everyone around you. Mm-hmm. So that's just really incredible. And yeah, I, try to, I try to yeah. keep it like, I don't know, like the spotlight, like I said, it's not supernatural for me to just mm-hmm. have this spotlight on me. I don't even like birthday parties or anything <laughs> like that. Um, so yeah, but I, I did make it a goal of mine to kind of branch out and like open up a little bit more and tell my story. Mm-hmm. So yeah, here we are. Out of curiosity too, let's talk about the Richie Lee collection. Yeah. You know, it, we read mm-hmm. a lot about Richie Lee collection and how fast it sells out. Dude, that, that <laughs> success, dude, let's talk about that. Yeah, so the Richie Lee collection is crazy. Uh, it kind of started off like recommending. So it started off when I was recommending a um, a sweatshirt from Urban Outfitters mm-hmm. to my viewers on a on a channel. And I remember that day, I was like, "Oh, I, I still need to get my own." Like I wanted it uh-huh. in a different size or color or something, and it had sold out in the entire uh, uh, quantity, uh, entire um, inventory. Yeah, and I was like, what? I just made that sold out and uh, I was like, well, this is crazy, but why can't I just do it for myself? Right. And at, at the time um, I was working with my friend Tan a lot. He was in the videos and everything. And he, he has like a uh, clothing production background mm-hmm. and he's like, Hey, we could start like making some t-shirts and everything like screen print and stuff. So we had came out with um, the pho just eat it t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We had came out with those and then some uh, shorts and uh, they would sell out like the reception was really good. And wow. I was like, well, people really like listen to what we're saying, you know, like about the fit and the quality and everything. But to to go from screen printing to actual cut and sew is a whole yeah. nother story. A lot of people yeah. do screen printing, but to actually make like garments that are like cut to your liking and everything, mm-hmm. that's you got to deal with factories and everything. So yeah. we had taken a little bit of a break, but we knew eventually we wanted to turn it into something. Um, oh, we were sitting at Foot Locker one day. We were sitting <laughs> at Foot Locker and this guy came up to us. Shout out to Jayway. He's like, hey, can I take a picture with you? Um, and he's like, my, my parents do uh, clothing. And uh-huh. we hear that a lot. Like some people do say like, oh, I can help you with your clothing if you want. But we went to his Instagram, I think, and we're like, yo, his stuff actually looks really good. Yeah. Um, and he he had a relationship with the factory in China and everything. So with him, we built out our first collection and I'm not going to lie. Our first collection, we were really trying to copy at the time, a really popular brand fear of God. Mm-hmm. So we built out a small collection. Uh, I think it was like five to six pieces, you know, cargoes. I mean, not even cargoes, like zipper pants, sweatshirts. And, um, we both dropped some money on it, invested like, I think 10 K or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we dropped it. And we sold out and we're like, oh my gosh, this is insane. It was 25K at the time, like 25 or 30K. And we're like, this is insane. We we sold out of the clothing. So like at that point, me and him became like official partners in the clothing um, and really just ramped it up every single season, kind of improved and like reflected, hey, we could do this better. We can make 
shipping better. We can make like so many, obviously there's a lot of opportunities to uh, improve. Um, we even flowed, flew to China for, you know, visited the factories and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's how it kind of got started. The Richie wow. Collection. Yeah. So you were just talking casually to your partner in Foot Locker and this person just overheard you guys. And that's how he jumped into the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's insane. Was, no, no, no. He was a fan. He was a fan. Oh, okay. he was a fan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't just over, <laughs> over here. He was a fan. <laughs> okay, okay. But he had told us about his, uh, factory connection. Isn't, awesome. isn't it crazy how everything connects yeah. backwards? Because he started yeah, YouTube channel. Really like, he was like really God sent. Like yeah. without him, yeah. we wouldn't have learned about factories in China and like yeah. the importance of that. And like, yeah, it, it's really insane to think about how we were just in full locker and he came through. Yeah. yeah it just wow. comes to show like you're so driven by your goal. You see mm-hmm. opportunities everywhere because mm-hmm. you have that goal and right. you have that North star. You saw that with this guy, you could potentially do this. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. had you not been goal driven, you'd be like, just another guy. Yeah. 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 And because exactly. he was a fan, like you already had a fan base, like a loyal follower base. So that person knew of you already. Right. So yeah. everything really yeah. connected. Yeah. Can you talk about, um, so before you went to do cut and sew, you were doing screen printing. Can you talk about, um, when you were doing like the Nike designs and Brian and I heard from one of your videos yeah that you were doing a nike sign before but they were some company you don't you don't even know if it was nike you're hustling for those lawyers (laughs) funny story story. all right so um yeah so we're doing the fall just eat it t-shirt so rewind back to the screen printing we were doing those and someone had emailed us was like hey i represent a copyright company as a fan of yours i'm letting you know i'm giving you a warning but if you drop these I might have to tell Nike, I'm like going to tell Nike and everything. And oh. I was like, what the heck? Like, I don't know what to do. I don't have money for a lawyer. So Tan, what we would do is like, you get like 30 seconds talking to a lawyer, you know, before they start paying you. I mean, before they start charging you. Paying you? I wish. <laughs> um, so we basically, so like he called up a bunch of lawyers and would just milk that like one minute for free get our answer and then move on to the next lawyer. Yeah. (laughs) Like like we would just progress. And, um, we're like, is this guy for real? Is he like really working for this company or is he trying to like scare us? Who knows? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, so instead of a night, so it came down to this, we're like, all right, we're going to drop the Nike. We're going to change the Nike sign into some chopsticks. I still have the photo and like the original promos for it. It Not bad. It was a Nike sign made out of chopsticks basically. Um, and then we, we dropped them and then no one had said anything and everything. And then we just, I think it got to the point we were like, man, F this guy, if it happens, it happens. Cause people copy each other and use a Nike yeah. sign all over the place. Why are they, they going to come after us? Like, mm-hmm. so we're like, man, let's go back to the Nike sign. So we dropped the real, the back to the Nike sign. Obviously a lot of people are like, Hey, why, why aren't you guys getting sued and everything? But uh-huh. I mean, Fingers crossed till this day, no one has reached out from Nike. I don't, I don't think we moved enough units for them to really, really mm-hmm. care, you know? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. But that guy, if you are listening, shame on you. <laughs> Wait, is it me? Was <laughs> it you, Brian? I, I don't know, man. Like, I'm going to actually search for that email and really see his wording because it scared the shit out of us. We we're like, whoa, this is serious. Yeah, but also funny. you're younger at the time, but now that you're older, yeah. you're like, ah, 
Yeah. Bring, it, bring it on. I'm sure if I was like young and I got an email like that, I wouldn't know what the heck to do. You know, I'd be so scared. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, you know, when you're younger, things like are inflated and, you know, you're just like, whoa, this is this is heavy. But, yeah. you know, yeah. now you can just be like, talk to my lawyer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So tell us what's next, Richie. What's your goals for 2021? Uh, for myself, man, it's just really, uh, really ramping up the Richie Lee collection. Um, I know you guys interviewed Chris. You guys haven't came out with that one, right? Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. So we partnered with Chris. Tan and I have partnered with him on the Richie Lee collection. They they handle a lot of like the back end stuff. We really want to make it like a legit clothing company where you're purchasing not off of just me saying purchase it. You know what I mean? We mm. really want it to stand on its own and be something where like you would like it even if you don't know who I am. So yeah. that's a huge goal of mine and his. Um, we have other projects in the work, like doing like sneaker accessories with Gabe um, and really just continuing what we're doing on the channel. I think we have a great audience. We don't need to like change up the format. I'm always like switching up the looks, like different sets and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But as far as like, changing everything up we don't have a lot of those type of goals just really doing what we're doing and ramping it up mm -hmm. yeah. um yeah and i would like to take this time out to give a huge shout out to everybody who's been a part of the channel all the editors like when i say yeah i know you're just interviewing me but it's totally not a one-man job like when mm -hmm. i say this youtube channel thing is hard it's insane there's a lot of back-end stuff that people don't know about and a lot of logistics Mylan. um you know, my business manager, uh, Gabe, Johnny sitting right here. Let me, let me <laughs> there we Johnny. go. Be a little camera shot right now. Hi, Johnny. Hey, what's up, bro? <laughs> yeah, you know, he's had a huge part in the channel. Like uh -huh. if that's one thing I want to get across too, is like make your career fun and enjoyable, right? Get your friends involved. Yeah. Give people something to like be part of inspire people. Even if you're not like doing it, like, Hey, do this job, at least show them it's possible by your actions and whatnot. And having everybody involved just been really like, I would say a huge blessing and like just one of the most like rewarding parts of this whole journey where everybody could be involved in the channel. If you know, if you look at my channel, it's, it's not, I would say rarely is it just me in a video. Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. Get people involved and have fun with it, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And while we're on that note, I am very curious, like, you know, we know your products sell out in like one minute. We see like those comments all the time in your YouTube videos, like, dang, your, your products just sell out so fast. How were you able to build such like a close knit community for mm -hmm. your brand and like the loyal following for, you know, yourself and, you know, your, your brand pretty much? I think it's just the transparency that we've given them. Um, from the get-go, we've told people, hey, we don't have like the professional backing of a real clothing company. We really documented the journey from the beginning, from our first clothing collection that had only like five to six pieces, mm -hmm. even like showing them like footage of us talking with like freight, you know, like shipping companies and everything, like really letting them know, hey, we're we're not only just like a polished product selling you stuff, you're on this journey with us. You know, you yeah. know what we're thinking when we pick this type of zipper, you know, what we're thinking when we pick this type of, um, pocket, like, and I think they really appreciate that. I really like explain every single detail. And, um, I think people really appreciate 
the transparency. I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard. It's kind of crazy to really think about how engaged people are. Mm-hmm. But I, I, if you made me guess, I would chalk it up to just how transparent we are and they, they've grown with us basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. yeah I love that. Yeah. So we have one last question for you, Richie. What's one advice that you can give to an aspiring entrepreneur? One advice I would have for an aspiring entrepreneur, I would say really, really, there's so many things, but, you know, accountability is huge. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, I was just talking to Johnny about this. Mm -hmm. No one's going to tell you what to do. Like literally you are your own engine from every little aspect of your life. No one could tell you, Hey, take this break right now. No one could even reflect and give you a pat on the back. That's like, you know, like in jobs, they give you bonuses. They, they let you, Hey, Johnson, good job on the project. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like none of that happens when you're your own, um, entrepreneur. So like mm-hmm. really just know that you, you got to play a lot of roles. Yeah. You got to be like everything from like the logistics of, how a video looks to like your content creation to um, even like paperwork to having your like legal stuff in line. Just, there's just a lot of hats that you got to wear. And I think a lot of people don't maybe like that aspect of being an entrepreneur. They want to, they think it's just about the art or the product, but man, you know, more than half the battle is literally everything that comes with it. For me, the toughest part is like the back end stuff, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the legal stuff and the stuff that's like not the fun part, but um, yeah, you just, but at the end of the day, with this all being said, the reward is that much greater, right? Yeah. You, you have that many responsibilities, but the reward is insane. Like I, sometimes I can't even, uh, like sometimes I really am speechless when I think about the life I'm living, to be honest. Like, I know that sounds like kind of corny or whatever to go into work. Friends are all around. We're talking about things go sell a product that sells out, you know, my dog's here. I don't even have to ask anybody if I have to bring my dog. Like yeah. that's to me a really cool, like, I don't know. It's just really cool to think about. And I'm, I'm super thankful. That's awesome that's to awesome. hear. And congratulations on all your success. Yeah. Like, you deserve every single one of it and hearing that grind too. Mm-hmm. Took years to get to this point, man. Thanks so, man. Yeah. It was, it, was, it, was, it was really fun to reflect and um, you know, like, I, like I said, it wasn't just me. A lot of people helped out with this entire journey. All my friends, David and Andrew were huge. Mm-hmm. Mylan, like Mylan, I remember taking a meeting with Mylan because she was business manager. She was a business manager for Fung Bros at the time. Mm-hmm. I had no like audience or anything. She had met with me a lot of weekends just to like give me hope basically. Like, hey, if you reach this point, I may be your business manager one day. I can't take you on right now, but you need to get here. And I I owe a lot to her for like basically believing in me, I would say like, it it meant a lot basically. That goes a long way. It it, it really does. If you're like, if you're super insecure about your growth on YouTube and. Especially if you're starting out. Yeah. Yeah. She was official. Like she had, you know, Ryan Higa, like she was managing a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So to have her like co-sign, definitely meant a lot. So yeah, it, it definitely wasn't, um, just me during this journey. So I, if I could get that across, like it's, it's a whole team. Yeah, for definitely. sure. How can our listeners find out more about you online, Richie? 
Yeah, so you could just type in Richie Lee on uh, YouTube, Richie Lee23 on Instagram. Um, the clothing is Richie Lee Collection. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, yeah. Awesome. It was awesome hearing your story today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Richie. Yeah, sure. yeah I, and I want to give you guys, like I said, a huge, huge w- thank you and shout out to you guys because I know what you guys are doing. It means a lot to a lot of people, not only the people that are on your platform, but the people that are listening. Like mm-hmm. that inspires so many people to hear other people's journey and get inspired themselves. So trust me, you guys are making a huge difference. Oh, thank you. Likewise, you are such an inspiration and thank you for all that you do. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.